Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Well, hello, everyone. We made it to Friday. We've come down the mountain. So we're back in the book of Romans. We're in chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 14 uh, today through uh, verse 20. And it's only six verses. And I, you think, wow, that's... <laughs> when we were in the Old Testament, we were flying through chapters. Now we're... There's so much power that Paul packs in each each of these verses. It's just... We're going a little bit on a slower schedule, which is great with me. Um, either way, uh, whether we're doing a lot of verses or little verses, I just I don't feel I can do justice to, to this. But um, I'm going to give you my best on this. Uh, th- these are some verses that I've read a lot, um, you know, through the years. Um, but it's extra special that we're studying this together today. And also that McGee teaches, uh, and again, I can't do justice to what he does, but um, it's just extra special because I think it's so applicable for us today in the culture that we live in. So let's jump right in. Verse 14, McGee calls this the, the I am's. He Paul gives three I am's, like who he is, and then he's getting ready to say who God is. So Paul says, I am under obligation, both to Greeks and to barbarians. That would have been another name for Gentiles. Um, Both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and the foolish. In other words, the Greeks were Gentiles that were considered really cultured people. Barbarians were sort of considered Gentiles that were not, quote, cultured, not Greek, not of the Greco-Roman um, mindset or in that empire. But So he is basically saying he's under obligation to everybody. And that word obligation is, as McGee teaches, um, meaning debt. Like Paul's in debt. Who's Paul in debt to? Did he, you know, McGee made the joke that, you know, does, did Paul run up some tab at some Greek restaurant and he didn't pay his tab and he's in debt? Or he's, you know, he's in debt to maybe some uh, 
he bought something from someplace and he's in debt to the barbarian people or whatever. No, he's in debt to Christ for his own salvation. Paul feels that Christ has saved him and he feels a sense of debt, being in debt to Christ because Christ bought and paid for Paul's sin by his death on the cross. That's the gospel message that Christ has paid our debt to sin that we may have eternal life and freedom from our condemnation under sin. So Paul's saying he feels this debt. He's under obligation to represent the gospel, to, to obey Christ. And he, he started this thing that he was a bondservant, a servant of Christ or a slave to Christ because of the gospel. Set apart, being set apart for the gospel of God. That's what God wants us to do. Because this gospel are for those loved by God, called to be saints, as we saw in verse 7. So this gospel gift is a gift given out of love so that we have hope and life and peace because of God's grace. So this is just such lofty material here, but Paul wraps it up in that he's under this debt or under this obligation to everyone he sees, both to the wise and to the foolish. He's under debt to everyone to let them know the gospel. Verse 15, so he says, so I am, here's another I am. We know he's under obligation. Now he says, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. So in other words, he's eager to represent this gospel. He's in debt to the gospel. He's eager to preach the gospel. Now, those who are in Rome already know the gospel, many of these who are saved, but he's willing to preach or to teach the gospel. So he represents the gospel out of a sense of obligation, but he's eager to talk about the gospel to anyone. How do we feel when we walk around in our faith? Do we feel that indebtedness to Christ for what he has done for us on the cross to represent the gospel message, the very gospel message that saves us? And are we eager to talk about it? Verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Gentile first and also to the Greek. So in other words, he's in debt to Christ for what Christ has done. He's eager to represent this gospel because he's just been saved by it. And he's not ashamed of it. He goes one step further. He's not ashamed. Because this gospel is the power of God for salvation. For everyone 
everyone who believes. And he's talking about it like he's expanding on that. He's talked about it under to the Gentiles or to the Greeks and to the barbarians, to the wise, to the foolish, to you in Rome, to everyone. Who is it? For everyone who, who believes. So it's not a gospel message without a requirement. The only requirement is that you believe in it. You trust in it. You put your faith in it. You repent of your own sin and place your trust in what Christ did. He died for your sins. You have to know that you're a sinner first to accept His sacrifice for you. If you don't have faith in what Christ did for you, then the gospel, you can't have the gospel. But for those who believe, you can have that gospel, the, which is, it's a message about what Jesus talked about, but it, it is the, on display, it is the power of God for salvation. That's how you get saved, through the power of God, through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. For everyone, to everyone, anyone, the wise, the fool, the person that you think is despicable, the barbarian. And he said, first to the Jew, then also to the Greek. That doesn't mean Jews have priority. That means it came first to the Jewish people because those were God's chosen people. And Jesus' line came through the Jews. But now it is declared to the Greeks, to the non-Jews, to the Gentiles. So, verse 17, For in it, this is in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. What does that mean? As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So, this gospel allows you to obtain the righteousness of Christ, which is the righteousness of God. You're a saint. And as McGee said last time, you're either a saint or an ain't. A saint is one who exalts Christ. We always think of a saint as this exalted person, but no, it's... A saint is, God calls us all to be saints. Through faith, we obtain God's righteousness. Through this gospel power of salvation, it's revealed from our faith for faith. In other words, faith saves us, but also is something that we live by. We're saved by faith and we live by faith. For, so, because this righteousness of God is revealed from faith when we are saved, for faith as we live by it. We see the righteousness of God on display from our faith in what Christ did and for faith as to how we live. For it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. We live by faith. We are saved by faith. So this righteousness is the what we get from the gospel message 
And we obtain that through faith. That's all we do. We don't have to do anything else. It's faith in Christ and nothing else. Christ has already done it. He's won the victory. We don't have to do anything. We don't deserve it. It was given freely for those to all those who are loved by God and called to be saints. Man, it's everything is explained right here, isn't it? Verse 18, for the wrath of God. Now we're looking at God's nature. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. In other words, why did we need the gospel? Because of the ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. We have to have righteousness. And that this wrath of God was because He loves us so much, He can't stand us to perish. He's jealous that we may be saved, just like a parent would be jealous that everything be done to save their child. So this gospel message was given out of God's nature. It is His love for us that He gives us this gospel, that He lays down His life in the life of Jesus Christ for us, the Son of God, the Son of Man. It's a gospel gift of love to us required because of the ungodliness and unrighteousness of men that we had to have a way to get God's righteousness because the wickedness, their unrighteousness, suppressed the truth. And this is the next part here, verse 19 and 20, is so, so amazing to me. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Okay, so the unrighteousness, the ungodly people who try to suppress the truth about God are surrounded by God's truth. They are surrounded by God's nature all around them. For His in, invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. In other words, God's truth is all around us. His power and His divine nature are on clear display in the creation. You just look around. And you have to under you have to appreciate it. There is no excuse. And even though you think you're smart, most of what you see around you, you can't explain it. Explain to me how a molecule stays together. Explain to me how a flower is made when a seed sprouts. It's like it's it's amazing. It just happens. Can you make a seed? Can you make a flower? Why do the molecules come together and form a cloud? They just do. The birth of a baby, the life of of a person. How does life occur? One minute a person is alive and their brain is thinking thoughts. The next minute the person 
has a heart attack and dies, and that same brain has no more thought in it. How did that brain work? It's just a blob of protein, but yet little electrical impulses are going around and you have the perception of sight and sound and balance and touch and heat and pain and emotion and thought and creativity all coming from this brain. How does it happen? I can't tell you. It just does. Those are God's in, invisible attributes on display, attributes. His power, His divine nature for all of us, whether you believe it or not. They're there. So, you're not putting your faith into something blind faith. This is not blind faith. You're putting your faith into some power that's on clear display. You're putting your faith in what Jesus Christ did for you. But that faith is supported by the truth that is on full display of God's invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature. So, we're going to stop here. And we, as always, we take a break for the weekend and we'll start up here on Monday. Um, by the way, I'll be traveling next week. Uh, family vacation. and uh, So, I'll still be getting these podcasts up so we can study together. And uh, as always, from me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your hearts centered on Christ on this great spiritual battlefield. We'll see you next time. And as always, our prayers go up for sweet Emma and sweet Jean.